Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code HEALTHIFIED at checkout. I am so excited to kick off season three with today's guest, Tristan LeClaire. Tristan is the founder and CEO of my favorite gluten-free bread company, Simple Needs. As you will learn, he has quite the background and all of his previous roles have beautifully paved the path to launching his company. From studying chemistry and French cuisine to working as a nutritional consultant and meal planner for a naturopathic practice. He devoted most of his early work experience to creating alternative solutions for people who had food sensitivities. And when his son got sick, he developed a gluten-free bread after discovering his son was gluten sensitive. He became motivated and passionate about turning it into a company to help others. In our conversation, we discuss what gluten is and why it is harmful to our health. The difference between American bread and that of other cultures and how Tristan used his knowledge of the latter to create an actually health supported option why you should look at the carbs to fiber ratio in your food and why Tristan strongly believes in a plant-based way of eating advice for parents in navigating an allergen free way of eating for their children hurdles. He has had to overcome in the industry and bread space specifically. This is a good one, you guys, and I can't wait for you to listen. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Tristan. Hi there, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the Healthified podcast today. I am just, I'm so excited about this conversation. It's a pleasure to join you. Yeah. So I was telling Tristan before we started recording that um, I'm so excited about this, both from a personal and professional standpoint, personally, because Tristan is the CEO of Simple Needs um, and they have the most amazing gluten-free breads. And I currently have all flavors of loaves in my freezer, um, ready to go as a new mom. I can't tell you how great it is to just take those out and slap some peanut butter and banana on it and call it lunch. Um, so thank you for that. And then professionally us being, um, both in the consumer packaged goods space, um, and just excited to kind of hear about your journey and story. So if you could just kind of kick us off there and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are. Sure, of course. You know, a, a little secret on my end is that um, the only reason I started this product, this this company is so that I could have the same thing in my own home. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we do it for? I swear, it's like a lot of the, a lot of the beginnings. So um, yeah, my background, I... Um, I have a background in chemistry, and I studied French culture, cuisine, and um, and, and language in uh, college, and uh, studied abroad in France for a year, and um, and, in, and in Quebec as well. And um, then after I finished my studies, um, I uh, started working for a naturopath. He's actually my stepfather, um, but he's, he's an amazing naturopath and chiropractor in Oregon. And... Um, I, um, I was building, me, me and my wife worked together on it, but uh, we were building out meal plans for his very difficult patients that had, you know, they were panallergic or had food sensitivities kind of off the chart. And um, they just didn't know, he told them, Here, here's all the things you can't have. And they go, well, what does that leave? So, um, you know, that's where we came in and we would build out, we'd, I'd interview the his patients and talk with them about their, what they liked, what kind of um, types of foods they liked. And then we would go to work um, creating meal plans for them, um, to, and then at sometimes even going into their homes and teaching them how to cook differently, um, to, to regain their health. And, um, it was really amazingly rewarding work. Um, and then on top of that, I also ran a health retreat, um, under the, under the same naturopaths, um, license, um, in Oregon, I'm sorry, actually in Idaho, the mountains of Idaho, we ran this retreat. Um, and, um, you know, that was also amazing. And we would make all the food and, and, um, I, I ran the retreat. So we did all the modalities and everything there with my wife and I. Um, 
So um, flash forward a little while, um, my, my son, when we had our first child, you know, by the time he was two years old, we started noticing he had eczema all over his face and, and really bad kind of bowel movements as he started eating solid foods and we weren't sure what was going on. We only, we usually only ate like sprouted, you know, like a seen bread type, you know, that kind of bread and, or like, um, you know, the Ezekiel four, nine breads. Um, and so we figured, you know, we were eating like the best to our knowledge, um, as far as that's concerned, you know, most nutritious and not, not white flour, white bread and that, but, um, we just kind of did an elimination diet and, and started with the highest culprits, soy and, and gluten. And as soon as we cut both of those out, all of his symptoms disappeared. Mm. And then he went to birthday party and got, yep. got exposed to it. And immediately they flared back up and we're like, okay, well, this is it for sure. Um, so I was like, well, no, no big deal. We'll just go and get some gluten-free bread in the market. <laughs> and, um, Oh my goodness. And it, I was so disappointed. You know, we got there and it was, everything's made from white starch and eggs. We were, we're plant-based also. So um, right. we don't do eggs. And so um, not to mention, it's just, it's an allergen and it's like, you know, uh, is major on my radar, like just yep. stay away from allergens. So I, it was, it was like a real, like existential question I had in my mind, like what in the world are we doing here? Yeah. You know, like, we're making gluten-free bread because people are sensitive to gluten, but then we're adding soy and corn and, and, um, and, and starches and gums, all these mass like xanthan gum. You know what xanthan gum comes from is it was originally designed for the oil fracking industry as a lubricant. Oh my gosh. And so it's like this very misogynist. It actually grows on, Originally, it was grown on, you know, it's the bacteria, it's, it's a byproduct of the bacteria that grows on corn when it molds. So See, I've they, always wondered that because I knew xanthan gum was like a red flag ingredient, but yeah. it's almost so normalized in the industry that I couldn't ever really explain why, but there you go. There's my answer. <laughs> it's in everything and it's not a healthful product uh, by any means. Um, you know, if you're, if you're into getting the best bang for your buck, you know, and realizing that you only have so much space in your stomach and you should be filling it with stuff that's nutrient dense, not to mention not harmful. Um, you know, there's just no room for that, that garbage. So I, I said, listen, we're just gonna have to throw bread out. There's nothing on the market that's, yeah. that's suitable to our needs. Um, you know, uh, food for life, the company that makes Ezekiel had a product, but it was so, it was so small and dense. And I was just like, Oh, I can't can't punish my son nor myself for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it was like throw bread out and that lasted for about two months. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, we're going to go to town on this. So I, uh, you know, pulled out all the stops, call myself the Thomas Edison of gluten-free bread. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, awesome. <laughs> and, um, Innovative. I mean, yeah. just, well, I'd experimented with all these grains from other cultures in my other work, um, quinoa, millet, sorghum, buckwheat, teff, amaranth, all these grains that were, yeah. you know, super grains, these like really like pseudo grains, mm-hmm. tiny seeds that act similar to what we think of as a grain, which would be, you know, like the wheat, the wheat products, yeah. um, you know, rye, barley, triticale, that the whole um, phylum. So um, I started, I, I knew that, that quinoa, for example, had really great like stretch and, you know, it was very soft and supple even when it chilled. And um, I knew that, um, you know, se- several different properties of different grains, like millet is amazing because it, for example, like if you've never noticed, if you blend it up with water, you make, mm-hmm. if you mix it with flour and water, it's like soupy, but then when you yeah. bake it, it absorbs a ton of water. Mm-hmm. And so I took all these properties of the different grains and blended them uh, in a proprietary way to um, kind of like get the properties of wheat back into a dough. Mm. So, so um, you know, wheat is extremely amazing because it, I mean, has a great, has amazing properties in, in a culinary sense because it's extremely stretchy and yeah. it can hold the little micro bubbles as it rises and it's tasty. It has like this really nice, you know, flavor and sheen and like all this stuff about it is, is amazing. It's really hard to re- reproduce that, but with the blending of all the different, uh, you know, millet, sorghum, buckwheat, teff, quinoa, all these grains from around the world that other cultures have used to make their bread staples, 
um, before wheat was introduced um, in their cultures modernly, um, I was able to come up with a dough that was very bread-like. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and on top of that, coupling that old world feel, I went with the old world process of making bread and we don't use yeast. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't add baker's yeast. We use a, a mother, like a starter that we've had. Mm -hmm. And I got that actually as a family heirloom passed down a uh, different family than to my own, but it was a family heirloom passed down from a friend of mine um, for generations. And it was actually started in Germany in the time of Kaiser Wilhelm. <laughs> oh, wow. Late 1800s, they had yeah. this and passed this thing down. So I got a little sample of that, converted it into a gluten-free, just, you know, preserving the bacteria, yeah. um, feeding it with gluten-free grains. And, and so we use that as our 11. And so, so cool. Yeah. So then we're able to get this product that's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not the same as gluten product, but it is as close as you're going to get yeah. um, in, in a gluten-free space. And it is sourdough. It has amazing taste and like that little, that rich flavor that comes with that. And then all the nutrients that are found in the whole grain, quinoa, millet, sorghum, buckwheat, teff, these, these grains I've mentioned several times, but you know, each one of them has special properties, even nutritionally, that are really super beneficial. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if you want me to elaborate on that. Yeah, but, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So quinoa, you know, it has, um, it, it's the only grain that has a complete protein, which means it has all of the essential amino acids in it, yeah. um, which is really cool. And then teff, the proteins in teff, which comes from Ethiopia originally, they make injara from it in the Ethiopian restaurants, you know, mm. that flat sourdough bread, uh -huh. uh, flat bread. Um, it is really high in vegetable albumins, which is similar to the proteins in eggs, um, but it's a vegetable source of them. Mm -hmm. So really good bioavailable protein that way. And then on top of that, um, the, um, the properties of that, that grain, especially that protein in baking are, are really beneficial too, yeah. similar to the eggs that are used um, in the non-vegan products. Yeah. So that's really cool. And then, you know, there's buckwheat, which is actually not even a grain. It's a, it's a, it's the fruit of a flowering plant. Yes. So we are having buckwheat. I'll have to send you some in our new granola that we're launching next week. Um, awesome. It's one of my favorite foods in kind of, you know, that type of breakfasty mm -hmm. food. So I'll have to send you some for sure. And then there's sorghum. Sorghum is super high in antioxidants. We use mm -hmm. that in our, as our base in our sourdough. And um, that, you know, comes out of India and millet as well. So all these grains, you know, they all have amazing properties. Yeah. Gosh, Tristan, I just want to take a second and acknowledge and point out just the amount of authenticity that has gone in to your product. And, you know, it's kind of what you said about when you were searching the market for gluten-free bread and, you know, there's those brands out there like Udi's or whatever. And what makes your story and path leading up to Simple Needs so special is that you had such a strong motivating factor for wanting to start this company. Whereas, you know, sorry to say, it's very unfortunate in our society that a lot of these food companies, and I would say the majority of the food companies, they don't really take a health bent, if you will. It's more about their bottom line. And, you know, a lot of these companies probably saw that they're was a gap in the market around when gluten-free was starting to become a thing and just basically like slapped what they could together and then put it on store shelves. Um, and I know that you know this too, but like being in this world, it's very apparent, like it's very unfortunate, but it's also very understandable why, given that you need shelf stability and when you don't really care about that health nutrition side of things, you'll just put what you can in your product to make it um, be able to sit there for a while and mm -hmm. be distributable. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. and just the fact that you have this amazing, um, food chemistry background and knowledge of other cultures to be able to just kind of put that in a big pot and come up with these amazing skews of bread is just so impressive. So, um, I don't know, it's just so great to kind of hear more about what all went into it and just the amount of care behind it. Yeah. We tell the, the, the history of the culture of bread, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, bread used to be the staff of life, right? You know, it was, it was a basis of our society thousands of years ago. And 
it was healthy. It was a healthy product. And yeah. we basically, you know, in the modern era, we took that healthy product and we wanted to manufacture it and distribute it, as you're saying. And so we did, and then also make it more and more palatable, right? you know, fluffy, light, you know, this, this, you know, <laughs> bread full yeah. of air. Yeah. You can literally take a whole loaf and squeeze it into a little tiny ball. Yeah. Um, and so we isolated, fractionated, hybridized, even GMO'd our grains um, to the point where, you know, we've, we've augmented the gluten that is in just, just the gluten that's in a single uh, kernel of wheat, some, some 15, 20 times what it was in the ancient, in the ancient grains. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we not only do that, we also now buff off all the, all the beneficial elements of grain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the husk, all the germ, all the endosperm, all of that. Uh, yeah. The, sorry. The, 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 um, anyways, you know what I'm saying? The outer yeah. parts mm-hmm. of grain. Yeah. And so the, um, we, we buff all that off and we get just the white internal part and, then it, uh, and then we, on top of that, we isolate just the gluten and then we add a bunch of gluten in the product. You know, it's yeah. like totally isolated, fractionated, concentrated to, to the point where now we get this really nice fluffy white bread, but what's it doing for us? Right. Exactly. Good. And people are driven by their taste, not ever thinking, what are we doing to our bodies? And so what's happened is bread's gone from up here down to down here. And now society's like, erupting with sensitivities going what's going on exactly we've we've abused our food and we've abused our bodies and ingesting it and so now we're down here with our bread now the problem is that now we've we've developed all these sensitivities and how have we responded to it Mm -hmm. by an isolated fractionated concentrated alternative right never fixing the problem taking it back to where it was supposed to be which is a nutritious food yeah so bread's got a bad rap right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it doesn't need to, what it needs to be is rethought. And so that's yeah. what we've done is just yeah. rethought the whole equation said, you know, we're going to go back to the roots of bread and bring this, even though we can't do gluten because we've developed that sensitivity to it as yeah. many people have, we can't go back there. We have to go back here. And um, so that's what we've sought to do at some points. Yeah. And there's so much more of your story that I want to unpack, but I would love to kind of hear more about um, the difference of bread in America versus other cultures, because I'm just kind of thinking back four years ago, my husband and I actually um, went backpacking in Europe for three months. And when I'm here, I'm gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, just because for me, it shows up more in my skin. And um, I just, I know that like, you know, I won't get like a terrible stomach ache by any means, but I just know I feel better when I don't eat those allergen Mm -hmm. foods. But when I went over there, I promised myself I wouldn't really have the food, not like rules that I have here, but I would just allow myself to kind of like enjoy all of the cuisine. And that comes with a lot of butter and bread. And, um, you know, I was drinking wine every night and, um, and I've never felt better. Right. And it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, what is going on here? So I know you're, you kind of touched on it with how we manufacture bread, but my other part of that question would be, can you explain why and what gluten is and why we feel like we need to just like pour it into our products for those people who um, may not know why it's not beneficial for us or quite the opposite harmful to our, our digestive systems. Yeah, and I and I could actually I think that there's um there's a two part answer to why you felt better eating the European bread and and products than you would in the U.S. Number one, I'll answer your question about gluten. Gluten is basically um, it is the two proteins of wheat, gliadin and glutenin, mm-hmm. that are needed. The process of kneading the dough takes those two proteins and interlocks them together and creates gluten. So they, they build the gluten, they say, be, mm-hmm. by, by the kneading process. So it's two proteins that are in the grain. And if you like took a grain of wheat in the field and popped it in your mouth and started chewing it, you do the same thing and it will turn from kind of a milky substance that's, that's, that's not stuck together. If you keep chewing it, it'll turn into like gum in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chew it like gum. And that's basically those two proteins working together and 
binding to each other to, to form the gluten. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's kind of a compound protein that's a little bit complicated to digest for some people, mm-hmm. right? So that's one thing. But then we've uh, obviously we've we've been infatuated with it because it it tastes good, and so yeah. we've augmented it to the point where we've we've tantalized the senses so much that it's uh, it's gone too far. Mm-hmm. And so now now we've developed sensitivity to it. So that's one element. Is that there there in in Europe, they're using more of the ancient grain strains that have a lot less gluten in the grain itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're not getting exposed. And I, and I don't know anything. I'm, I've not done much research on seeing if there's any like quality issues there uh, as far as like if there's a difference even in the gluten itself. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's the case. But I think there's another reason that you didn't see kind of maybe bloating or any of the digestive issues in Europe. And that is because of the way they process their mm. bread. Mm-hmm. So process is critical. In Europe, they use sourdough almost exclusively. They use it a lot in, in France and in, I don't know where you were, but even Germany. Um, so sourdough is the way that the, the leaven, the leaven is le, leaven instead of, um, instead of yeast. And so there in that process, it takes longer for the bacteria and the wild yeasts to do their work. And they, they have time to basically break down, not necessarily the gluten, but the FODMAP starches that are found mm-hmm. in wheat. And so what often that immediate gut reaction to, to the, the, the gluten container or the, the wheat pro- products in the States is, is actually the fact that they fast processed with with um, sodas and and yeasts and all these very fast things that it doesn't give time for the fermentation process to break down the very complex starches of wheat, which are in the FODMAP family. Um, And you maybe heard of the low FODMAP diet and such. Yeah, and a lot of people have trouble with that as well. So to be clear, I think that much of the, quote, gluten sensitivity is misdiagnosed and it's really more about the FODMAP sensitivities that are also in wheat. So it's actually kind of misapplied, um, which is fine because it's the same solution. Right, right. Get away from wheat, you feel better. And so um, the grains that we use are are literally the five grains that are recommended on the low FODMAP diet. Not to mention also the reason that people can't, they'll say, oh, I can handle gluten when when it's sourdough. No you have a sensitivity to FODMAPs and the, the starches are broken down in the sourdough process. Mm-hmm. So that's the fuel that the sourdough culture feeds on in the fermentation process. So it breaks down the FODMAPs so that they're easier for your body to digest. And so okay. not only are the grains low in the FODMAP starches um, in the grains that we use in, in Simple Needs, but also um, they are um, fermented so that you get um, you get that broken down. The starches that do they do contain are also then kind of pre-digested for your mm-hmm. digestive system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's just so great to know that you kind of, again, you have that knowledge of other cultures to be able to intertwine that into your company and kind of bring the best of that world over here. Um, and it's just so amazing that we can have that option of a product in America when there's just, there's so few and far between. Um, so I want to back up a little bit because this whole idea of gluten sensitivity is relatively new, right? Like I remember telling my mom probably like 10 years ago that I was going to stop eating gluten. She was like, well, you don't have celiac disease. She was like, you don't need to stop eating gluten if you don't have celiac disease. And I was like, it shows up in my skin. It shows up in my mood. Like I was able to get off of my anti-anxiety medications when I stopped all of these high allergen foods. Um, I slept better. My skin got better. My digestion got better. Um, and so I'm curious to know kind of even in your background, like when you were working for um, the naturopathic doctor, and I imagine that, you know, food sensitivities weren't as um, commonly known or embraced as they are now, like you can walk into a restaurant and be like, oh, I can't eat gluten and dairy. And they're like, done. Like this is, you know, the adjustments we can make to your meal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So tell me a little bit about that and like kind of what hurdles you had to overcome or what education you had to offer Mm -hmm. back then versus now. Yeah. And I, I gleaned from his, his amazing knowledge. His name is Dr. James Saeed, by the way. Okay. Yeah. S-A-I-D. But, um, he, um, watching him in his practice is amazing. And he's looking at, he's looking at genetic pathways for, you know, processing stress and, and he's looking at, um, uh, he's very scientific. He's, 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 he's not in the bad science, bad religion side of naturopathy. <laughs> yeah. very, very, very scientific. Um, and he's, uh, anyways, he's looking at things like the, the bioidentical nature of, of the gluten protein is bioidentical to, for example, your thyroid glands proteins. Mm. And so, Hashimoto's disease is the autoimmune disorder of the thyroid where your body has developed yep. antibodies to your own thyroid glands and is destroying them, causing lack of low energy, you know, you know what happens when your thyroid's not working right. Right, and, exactly. And so, you know, over, you know, ob- obesity is, is caused, you know, you, you get all kinds of bad side effects when thyroid's being not functioning correctly. And gluten specifically um, is, 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 is recommended to be cut out of a Hashimoto's diet. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, maybe we don't all have Hashimoto's or or haven't been diagnosed with that, but his favorite motto was the diet that gets you well, keeps you well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if the, the, if you've got a, a, a nutrient that is culprit to so many different, you know, potential health problems, you can't wait for the scientific world necessarily. It's like when in doubt, do without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so you can't necessarily wait for the scientific world to figure out and diagnose a a a, um, a prognosis or 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 a cause or a, a uh, you know I, I'm not trying to be non scientific here, but yeah. it's like we've got several roads that are leading to one conclusion, mm-hmm. and and I think that people would do well. Here's another thing about it. I think people would do well to just mix up their diets. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we eat one nutrient, gluten, yeah. every single day in almost every single meal. Right. And that in itself is unnatural. Yeah. So I tell people, look, don't go gluten-free. Just eat products that don't contain gluten right. as well and, and mix it up. It's really not great for our bodies to be so concentrate on corn, soy, and wheat. Yeah. Those or, three things. Yeah. And you know, especially when it comes to kind of making that shift to eating more real food, like, right. Like on the periphery of the grocery store. Yeah. But then when you do eat foods that come in a package, like educate yourself on the list of ingredients. And I think there's a lot of things at play here. Um, not only is the majority of people in our um, society not educated on that type of stuff, but we're so accustomed to looking at the wrong part of the food label. You look at the calories, you look at the fat grams, you look at the sodium. And when I was health coaching, I would say, I don't want you to look at the calories. Just take that off of your mind, look at the list of ingredients. And if you can like read and pronounce them, then your body can read and understand what you're putting into it. So Yeah, there's, there's, just- there's one macronutrient relationship that I tell people that they should look at, and that is the ratio of carbs to fiber. Yes. Mm-hmm. If carbs and if you've got like 30 grams of carbs and one gram of fiber, right. it is not a healthy food, mm-hmm. period. So you should have about between around five to one should be no more than, you know, or right around five grams of carbs per gram of, of fiber. So you take mm-hmm. like our product, for example, is 16 grams of carbs and there's three grams of fiber. Mm-hmm. So you go three divided by or fifth, 16 divided by three, and that should be close to five, which mm-hmm. we're slightly over, but for bread, it's almost unheard of it's amazing. Um, even that close. So given, you know, I launched this company on my nutritional philosophy and foundation of blood sugar balance. And so, um, you know, this, that plays into it as well. Can you explain to people why the carbs to fiber ratio is so important? Absolutely. Yeah. So carbs, um, obviously if they're just, if you have pure, like, let's say just white starch carbohydrates, 
it acts very much like sugar in your body. So you will get a blood sugar spike just from eating, you know, the high carbs. Um, but with, uh, carbs themselves are not created equal. That's what's not, you know, it's, it, that's why the ratio gives you the ability to see how good quality the carbs are because fiber is also a carbohydrate, but it's, it's a, um, it's indigestible. Right. And it, so, it feeds the gut bacteria. What it does is it feeds the gut bacteria and it slows down the absorption of the carbohydrates, creating like a time release because we need carbohydrates. I don't believe in the keto diet where we, you yeah. know, we go all extreme to one extreme and all cut out all these, cut out the protein and the, and the carbs and just focus on fat. And I just feel like that's a, that's an extreme diet that is, is prone to, it's going to create other issues in the body that, that are maybe not foreseen at this time. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm really a proponent of balance. And so um, we need carbs because carbs fuel the body. They fuel, they fuel your energy. And um, so, and, and then if you're working out heavy, they rebuild the glycogen in the muscles. So you, mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you deplete, you deplete the initial, your muscles store a certain amount of carbohydrates for quick energy bursts. And so when you work out, it depletes that you need to restore that. Um, and so the way to do that again, um, is make sure that your, your carbs are high quality and you're getting kind of a time release. And that's what happens when you have good fiber um, to carb ratio. Yeah. And that was actually, um, one of my questions because, you know, with this keto trend, um, and I'm not a proponent of that diet either. I would say like, if I had to categorize my way of eating, which I don't even like to do, because I don't like to slap a label on it. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, the real food, um, and then free of the allergens, I would say like anti-inflammatory, if you will. Yeah. Um, sure. But have you seen any difference kind of in your business specifically or demand given this, you know, paleo keto way of life? Obviously people come to us asking whether or not we're keto. I have to say, no, we're not keto and neither should you be. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, um, the, in, in the paleo idea is kind of, um, in my mind also a bit of a, a misnomer. Um, you know, there's a, there's actually a really cool Ted talk I watched of the scientists who was, they were just, they were, uh, they were mapping the proteins on the teeth of the Neanderthal men that they found. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're scaling the teeth and they're taking the proteins and they're analyzing it. And you know what they found? What? Proteins from barley and lentils. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, blows a go. hole in the whole, you know, hunter gatherer concept whatsoever. I mean, right. I'm not, I, me, myself, I'm actually a Bible believing Christian and mm -hmm. I don't believe that we were hunter gatherers in our origin. I think we were gardeners. Mm. So, like that. Well, yeah. and that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you know, when in doubt, eat more plants, right? Like there's all of these different, um, labels going around, but the one common thread between all of them is that vegetables and fruits are good for you. <laughs> right. So, um, and you know, I think the major point of, um, contention isn't the right word, but like argument for lack of a better word would be like where you get your protein. And I was actually listening to a podcast about the plant-based diet and, um, you know, just about the paleo and how that compares and our paleolithic like ancestors or what have you. And it was like, yeah, our, our primal ancestors were just eating the food that they had available. And for a lot of that, that was vegetation, you know, that was tubers, that was plants, what have you. But then, you know, like if they needed to kill an animal to eat and fuel themselves in times of famine, like they were going to do that. Right. So, um, yeah, not getting too much into that side of things, but yeah. it's just, um, that's why like primarily plant-based, like you just, it, you can't yeah. argue against that. Yeah. Even like a gorilla, for example, eats right. almost exclusively veg vegetables. Um, and they mm -hmm. will eat, they will eat meat if there is a scarcity and they can't do anything else. Um, yeah. 
and sometimes they'll eat grubs or different things like that as well to supplement the protein. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm plant-based. I deadlift 400 pounds. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm about 170, 70 pounds of, of muscle. Yeah, you I, look, mean, I know I you it, all can't see him, but I can, he's very healthy and trim and I'm just like, yeah, you know what you're doing. <laughs> and I eat plant-based and I mean, people say, where do you get your protein? Well, so, you know, where's the gorilla get his protein? You ever seen one of those guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're huge. Um, but you know, the, the answer is simple. Like legumes are super high in protein. So mm -hmm. I, eat, I eat lentils every day, um, at least twice a day. There's in three cups of lentils, there's 45 grams of protein. Wow. So, I mean, how much protein do you need in a day? I mean, I eat nearly right. my eight in grams a day mm -hmm. on a plant-based diet mm -hmm. with yeah. nuts, seeds, and, and legumes. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest myths about the plant-based diet is just getting enough protein. And yeah, exactly to your point, there's so many plant-based sources of it. Um, and you know, so it's not something that you would need to overthink as long as you are just eating well-rounded, healthy plant-based meals. And not to sure. mention would when you get that protein, it comes with all the balance of all the other nutrients with it. You're not just yeah. getting protein and you're eating an animal based uh, uh, source of protein, you're getting basically protein and fat. There's no, there's yep. no carbohydrates and no fiber whatsoever. And so, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to eat a, if you're going to, you can eat healthfully that way in incorporating plants in, into the meal, but yeah. you know, it's just interesting that if you get it from a plant-based source, you get that all already packed into it. You got yeah. all the good carbohydrates, good fiber, good, good protein. Everything's kind of mixed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I want to sh shift gears a little bit in something that you said kind of at the very beginning. And um, this is kind of a selfish question because I imagine, you know, my son is um, 11 weeks and I imagine that I will um, raise him from a nutritional standpoint to kind of be wary of these high allergen foods. But you said something about going to birthday parties and being around friends. And I, imagine there are a lot of parents out there listening to this who struggle with navigating that scene for yep. their children. So how, what advice would you give to kind of stay on that you encourage your son with yeah. the gluten-free way of eating? That's really, that's really awesome. Uh, good question. And, and number one for us as a family, and, and, and I know that this may not be practical for somebody who's trying to make a change but for us, we just determined from the beginning, we're not going down that road. My kids don't eat candy. They don't, you know, they don't even, they don't eat sugar, white sugar. Mm -hmm. They don't eat it. And, mm -hmm. and so I, it, it was kind of a shock to me the first time my, my daughter says, you know, is offered a lollipop. She goes, oh no, we don't eat those. <laughs> <laughs> so um, She's listening. You know, She's absorbing. So, you know, kids, you know, it's, they, 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 they don't know what they don't know. Right. So as long as you never open the door, that's one way of approaching this. If you're a new parent, my yeah. recommendation to you is don't open the door. Mm. Just don't open it. Just mm -hmm. keep it shut, completely shut. No matter how much your, your parents, your heart wants to give them that great little tantalizing taste of the tongue and it, it, give them the joy of eating a lollipop. Don't do it. Yes. And so that's, that's number one. I mean, we've just been completely consistent that way with our kids and it's no, it's no issue. They go to a birthday party, they go, Oh, can't have that. Okay. No big deal. And it's not like they have to use willpower either. It's just mm -hmm. who they are and what they do. Yeah. It's just a part of them. Yeah. And then on the other side, if you are trying to make a change and you know, it's uh, obviously it's an uphill battle. It's a, it's a, it's a really hard battle to make a change in a child's habits. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Um, and nevertheless, it, it has to come from the parent, obviously. Um, it's like learning an instrument. You know, uh, <laughs> there's one school thought says, oh, if they want to do it, they'll do it. Well, the teachers say, yeah, no, you're the willpower for the child. <laughs> you know, mm, the yeah, child's not going to want to do it until, until they learn to do it. Then they'll want to do it. Yeah. So you have to be there for your child. And so education, education is the fundamental thing. And let me tell you, my son, he knows what happens when he gets gluten. Mm -hmm. It hurts him. It hurts him. He, he, and so he, he's like, oh, I don't want to eat there. There's possibly gluten in that. I mean, he yeah. understands. So drawing the child 
and and also that comes from a hundred percent. Let me just mention one other thing. Yeah. That um that 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 body sensitivity that he has developed comes from a one hundred percent consistency. Because what happens is we get used to a low level inflammation in the body, so that we yeah. feel like we're fine when we're not fine. Right. And so. Um, it's it's the histamine reaction of the body, right? So those histamine cells in the, in the gut, they get depleted and tired. And those are the things that give you that, you know, that loose bowel or whatever it is, you know, they give you that histamine reaction. Um, as soon as you eat the thing or you get exposed to the thing that your body is sensitive to. But if you're constantly exposing yourself, those cells get tired. And so they're not able to do what they're designed to do, which is coat the thing that's causing you irritation and get it out of the body. Yeah. And so when you go 100%, they rest and they can replenish. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> what happens is when you re-expose, you go, I never, I was never sensitive to this like this before. Right. You Why do were. I feel so bad? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you were, but you, but you were masking the symptoms, so to speak, by constant abuse. And you're going to develop a chronic issue instead of a, a, an, an acute issue. And so now and, your yeah. body communicates you to you acutely, don't do that. And you can get that acute response when you're not chronically um, abusing it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, you know, thinking back on, you know, when I was health coaching and my clients would make that change and then, you know, maybe a celebratory weekend or holiday would come up and they would on the other side of it be like, I've just, I've not, I haven't felt this bad the whole time. And I'm like, actually, you probably have, you just probably, it was no, so normalized for you. And then when you kind of make a change and you go off of that um, and you backslide a little bit, like it's your body's going to scream a little bit louder. Yeah, it <laughs> and, will. Yeah. And so, but then. So a, a child can feel that too. If, for example, you have a situation where you've discovered the child has a sensitivity to a food, mm -hmm. if you can eliminate from their diet, and then really draw them through education, helping them understand that this is hurting them, mm -hmm. and and then let them let them get exposed to it. I mean, let them feel that, and they're they're going to immediately go, "Whoa, I don't want that. That's that right. was not good. That, that yeah. did not feel good." And so yeah. I think that's part of it, part of the education. And the last piece I would say to that, and we'll kind of belabor this point, but is honesty. Mm. It's so important, honesty with with your friends. And just, just being, I, I'm, you know, I'm plant-based, soy-free, gluten-free. I mean, it's like free of everything. And I go, if I get a dinner invitation, I just simply sell them right up front. Yeah. I, I, I really look forward to, to taste your food. I just want to tell you, these are the things we can't eat. Yes. And so, and just having that like transparent, honest, transparent, transparent honesty with um, your friends and, you know, you'll find support from them. And they'll go, what, how, how do you eat? And then we'll, we'll be like, well, can I bring a dish? I'd love to bring a dish. And so yep. we I often bring food everywhere we go just because we have such a different diet. And even as just, just in case, and we'll bring enough, not just for, you know, it'd be rude if you just brought it for you. We bring enough to share with the family and the home. And then it becomes a, a point of education for another family too. Um, and, and also like a conversation piece. Right. So. And I think that is something that people really need to hear because I think that there's almost this, um, you know, embarrassment with making a change and speaking up for yourself, like whether it's to a waiter at a restaurant or to your mother-in-law over the holidays, like, and I mean, and I'm someone who like is very vocal about my needs in that way with food. Um, but mm -hmm. it took me a while to get here and being able to communicate that to other people. And the majority of the time, yes, people are very supportive and they don't actually really care. But if they do, if there's like a trigger or something that happens, like that doesn't even have to do with you. That has everything to do with them and their relationship with food. And I would always tell my clients like, our relationship with food and the way that we eat is one of the most intimate things that we have in our lives. And you should not feel shameful or hold back in any way to be able to ask for what you need in that way. And, um, yeah. so I just think that like, yes, in the best case scenario, that's what happens. It, everyone's on board. They're supportive. They're wanting to know more, but on the other side of it, if, if there is something that gets triggered, like 
who cares? Like you do you, you know? Yeah. So. And it gives you an opportunity when somebody flares up against you, um, it gives you an opportunity to really hear them, you right. know? Yeah. And, 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 tr and track their, their thought process as to why they're so inflammatory towards the decisions you've made in your life um, and just kind of hear them out. And so you can actually, every opportunity, every, every hostility, every hostility is an opportunity to bind a heart closer to another. In fact, because mm -hmm. it's actually a vulnerability that that's been exposed. So I love that. Yeah. So it's just like, start that conversation. Yeah. Um, so shifting gears again a little bit, I want to talk, um, some more in this time that we have just about the business a little bit. Um, and the fact that, you know, the bread space in particular is probably one of the oldest, most traditional spaces that we have in the food industry. So what hurdles did you have to overcome to kind of break into it with an innovative product? Wow. I'm not over them all yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, they show up every day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So number one, I mean, number one, and actually it is everything is distribution. So mm -hmm. our hardest challenge is taking this wholesome product that I'm not going to pump full of, you know, harmful ingredients and, and preservatives and so forth um, and getting it distributed to the customers, um, yeah, you know, on a <laughs> yeah. basis. it's very difficult. Yeah. And so, um, Thankfully, we have sourdough on our side, which sourdough mm -hmm. itself is a preservative. It, it, it has is a natural, um, the the uh, the, the microbacterial um, process there kind of kills all the mold spores and things and keeps. So what's the shelf it. life of that? Skew? Yeah, eight, 18 days. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, that, and then there's some other proprietary stuff we do in the process side of things to help improve that, keep keep that a little bit on the, on the long side. Mm -hmm. um, so, but anyways... Um, Distribution has been the biggest challenge. Um, I will say in the current climate, labor has been very, very difficult. Oh, we are having a time. Yes, yeah. I am right there with you. Um, my, my, my COO and myself have just been trying to hold down our office jobs and facilitate the, the bakery as much as we can. Just, I mean, is, we've never had this problem before, but. Oh, after our conversation, I'm headed to our kitchen to pick up ours to deliver to Whole Foods. So I, <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. And the entrepreneurial life is not for the faint of heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. And bread. I mean, honestly, I've have, I have had moments where I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> This yeah, is like the hardest product to produce consistently yeah. and, and, and distribute, um, in most bread and, and just blow the, blow the minds of your audience. Most mm -hmm. bread, almost all bread is distributed frozen. It's not mm -hmm. baked fresh. It's frozen, distributed to the stores. And then the stores throw that date sticker on there as they oh. pull it out of the freezer and put it on the shelf. Mind right. blown. You learn something yep. new every day. So bread, that's just the nature of bread is it, it slacks out well, typically. So slacking out, meaning from taking it from frozen to room temperature. And so they'll, it's who knows when it was actually manufactured, it's been frozen and then they pull it out and they throw it on the shelf. Mm. Um, either that, or it's just sold frozen. Um, we are not either of those. We are fresh baked mm -hmm. and delivered to the store fresh. And there's a date that we put on the bread from the point of manufacture that's that's put on the bread and so that in itself is challenging now i i'm i don't have the ability to freeze and thaw my bread because when my bread thaws it becomes a little bit fragile brittle yeah yeah until it's warmed so if you toast it it turns back into fresh bread like just like freshly baked yeah but um the nature of the grains and the things that i'm using i'm not using any of the unnatural stuff it just that it does not thaw well um for for being set on the shelf you know on the shelf people touch it and they want to feel the bread and they're just basically <laughs> breaking yeah. <into> pieces <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so um so that's a that's a challenge for us and we're, we're trying to find a hurdle uh, trying to find a way through this hurdle mm -hmm. um uh the way forward we are thinking maybe to to build um small manufacturing plants in key locations where we can kind of have freshly baked bread that is kind of in a local geography to yeah. the stores that we want to service. Um, albeit that's a very difficult, you know, logistic. We talked about that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, I get it. Um, and 
And I feel as if, you know, people don't really understand being in this industry until you're in it. And especially wanting, you know, like I said earlier, to have that nutritious bent and having a product that just like you, I want to maintain the integrity of, I refuse Mm -hmm. to put in those additives and preservatives and our, you know, our empower bars, um, which do have the egg in it, which is why I haven't sent you those. And I'm going to send you some, the plant-based bars, um, which people don't really know about, but, um, when I get to the kitchen today, it it has a 21 day shelf life, room temperature, two months in the fridge. So, um, that has been distribution has been a really difficult, um, challenge for us as well, but, you know, on the consumer side, people are like, Oh, when are you going to come out with this flavor? And you know, when are you going to come to my state or store? And I'm like, y'all don't understand. Like, not only like, I don't get how these companies just like whip up a new skew with like the packaging and, you know, the innovation that has to go behind it. Well, I guess, you know, we have a very small team. It's just me and my head of operations, um, on the business side of things doing a lot for what we're doing right now. But, um, you know, it's definitely a world and you got to have perseverance and determination. So was there ever a time that you felt like you wanted to give up and how did you encourage yourself to keep going? So many times. <laughs> <laughs> like that time I was having a panic attack on my bathroom floor. <laughs> my, um, you know, people are, are so not understanding of what it takes. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, where's my product? I want it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been working all night. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And especially in this Amazon world where people are so used to getting packages so fast. And, and I'm like, you know, we were a little bit behind on orders last at the end of last week. And I had to personally email everybody just to set Mm -hmm. expectations and be like, I'm sorry, your order's not going out until next week. Um, so be, be understanding small companies, are struggling. Yes. Yes. um, So support us, please. (laughs) Yeah. My plug. But um, let me tell you the one thing that we did, that was such a smart move that has really helped us during the COVID um, situation um, is develop an e-commerce platform. Yeah. So we sell, we call it our online bakery and we sell direct to consumers. And this is such a cool way to get the bread too. I I think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Because it's the bread gets to you fresher than you'll ever find in a grocery store. Yeah. And we bake it to order and ship it right to your door. Shipping's included. We pay for two days shipping, just like Amazon. Yeah. Except you don't have to pay us a hundred dollars a year <laughs> for yeah. Prime. Right. Right. <laughs> and um and we um we basically um it, through that protocol, we've 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 gone over that hurdle of distribution because um you know it's all built into the cost of the product it is a little bit more expensive than you would pay for it in the store because we're directly shipping it to your door right um but the shipping's included in the price and i just i often tell people i mean there's no reason that we need to be in your store i mean we'll get there we want to be there too um but but just go to our site we we sell we so easy. from alaska to hawaii Yep. and everywhere in between, even Puerto Rico. Um, and we'll ship it right to your door. Yeah. I remember actually seeing, um, the Instagram ad last year of, you know, the, um, the hands holding the loaf and I, and I bought it. Um, and I'll just tell you what, you know, besides, you know, I know we have the e-commerce and, and luckily before COVID we had already been set up on an e-commerce because this was before we were in stores. Um, and I knew that I wanted that to be a part of my business from the get-go, but, um, I don't order a lot of things online. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, for sure. And when I saw your ad and, um, looked a little bit more into your products, I was like, I'm getting this, this is amazing. And, um, and I've had, you know, your, your products in my, I do have to keep them in my freezer, but, um, I will testament that when you just put it in the toaster and it's, just as amazing. So, um, okay. So I want to respect your time and we only have a couple more minutes left. Um, but aside uh, one more question, just aside from kind of the nutrition side of things, what are some other ways that you take care of yourself? I like to exercise daily. Mm -hmm. I have a gym in my basement. I built, um, so I do, uh, I do kind of power lifting regimen. Um, I also do some calisthenics. So I like to, I'm as a gymnast, 
um, cool. in, my, in my past life. <laughs> That's <laughs> like awesome. Before I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So um, I actually met my wife that way. We met in a in gymnastics gym. Oh, and, very cool. Uh, she so you can do a handstand. Sure. Yeah. And I'm a backflip. A... <laughs> <I can> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I am. Um, I'm a yoga teacher, and you know, yoga is kind of my my thing. But um, haven't haven't ever gotten to the handstand yet. But I, I like what I see. I know this other girl who does yoga too, and she's has a gymnast background. And I was like, you make that look way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about it's all about practice. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, I love to love to exercise. Um, I have a family. I have four children. We love to go camping together, and um, we just um, you know we bike together, we hike together, we we um, we take every Saturday off. Um, I, I shut down my entire operations. We do not operate on Saturday. Such um, a good idea. Yeah. So we um, we we keep the Sabbath that way. The, mm. the Jewish Sabbath. I'm not Jewish, mm-hmm. but. We keep that, uh, we call it the biblical Sabbath yeah. and, um, and, uh, literally shut down my entire business. We don't do a thing. I don't even run ads, nothing wow. on Saturday. That's, that's been one thing that's kept me sane <laughs> through yeah. this whole thing because yeah. I'll, I'll work myself to the grave if I, I, if I don't force myself to rest. So, yeah. um, so that that's a big thing. So rest has really been important to me. Good diet, good nutrition, good exercise. I drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I don't drink soda pops or any of that. So yeah. just drink, drinking water, um, hugely beneficial. So, you know, just the natural things. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, and becoming a mom, you know, it was one of those things where like I could work seven days a week easily. Um, but I've also started this thing where it's like, I won't even open my computer on Saturdays. Um, I feel like Sundays I kind of have to just to get ready for Monday. And, um, so I, I definitely give myself that time to, to be present with my family. And, um, and I'll tell you what, it's not easy. Sometimes I'm white knuckling it and it's just, but you know, cause, cause like on the other side of it, it's like, if I just did a little every day, it would never get to this point of overwhelm. And it's like, no, like your, your mental health, your physical health, mm-hmm. you need this day of just space. Um, so I'm right there with you on that. Well, Tristan, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, before we sign off, where can people find you and your amazing company? Yep, of course. Um, so in Whole Foods, we sell from Atlanta to Southern Connecticut. So we're in all the Whole Foods, basically up the East coast, just North of New York city. Mm, Awesome. Um, so there, Moms Organic, if you're in the, in the D.C., mm-hmm. Baltimore area, Moms Organics all, all have our products. Um, there's many other independents. You can find a list of them on our website, which is www.simple, S-I-M-P-L-E, needs like kneading bread, K-N-E-A-D-S, I love puns. So com. creative, me too. <laughs> so, um, simpleneeds.com. Um, and then uh, you can also order online on that same site um there's a you know, go to shop button just click there you'll see we sell all products there uh four loaves at a time that's just kind of how we are able to pay for the shipping mm-hmm. um and so uh you get to pick the different combos that you want we have like seven different options there for the, the way you could fill the box and so you just pick which one you want and you can purchase right there online as long as you're in the states that's awesome. We're working yes. on we're working on expanding our offerings in Whole Foods. We hope to be in Florida soon. We hope to be maybe in the Midwest, um, yeah. Chicago, and um, and then we'll build out the independent stores as well. We have to have that. I have to have a pretty good anchor to justify the distribution. But for sure, we're working. Yeah, on it. that's another thing. It's like, oh, will you come to my Whole Foods? And it's like, it, it's a little bit of a different animal. Like it's a process. I'll be right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, corporate. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. And you all need to go check this out if you haven't already. Um, I know it's my favorite bread product. And um, as you can hear, there's so much intentionality and um, passion and purpose behind this brand. So just thank you, Tristan, for everything that you do. Yeah. I should also mention just quickly in the stores, don't go in the freezer section. We're not there. Oh, if you're, fresh. If you're used to buying your gluten-free bread in the freezer, you're going to have to go to the fresh, uh, the, the actual bread wall where they sell, yeah. you know, Dave's killer breads of the world. Yeah. Um, we're, we're right next to them. That's so great. Um, and that's so good to know. Cause you know, I'm in Virginia, so obviously you would be in my perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This has been an absolute honor and pleasure and just appreciate you coming on and look forward to staying connected. Um, 
And yeah, I'll see you on the interwebs. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified. Until next time.